Well, all right. If some of you went to sleep in 2003 and just woke up today, you were wondering how I became the pastor. (laughs) If you don't know, from 2001 to 2003, Lisa and I and our boys, Brian and AJ, were here. I was associate pastor here. That's what brought us here from Houston. And, uh, and we stayed here in, in Ferguson for 11 years. After, in 2003, we went over to Florissant, and I pastored at uh, New Life Baptist Church, which is now a north campus of the Have Bible Will Travel Church, but we were there nine years. And, uh, and then we went to Germany and uh, pastored in a military community with 60,000 Americans, and uh, were there for five years, and with family issues and health of my father, we came back to the States, to Texas in... Uh, 2017, and uh, and then my phone rang in October of last year and said, uh, have you ever thought about coming back to St. Louis, and what about Ferguson? And I said, yes. And so here we are. Uh, so while you're getting your, your note sheets ready and, and getting a pen out and getting all of that, let me say a couple of things. It won't be long because I'm, we're here to preach and open the word. But I'm curious, if you are not currently a member of First Baptist Church, but you are a former member of First Baptist Church, and you came here to visit us, can you wave at us? All right, welcome. Glad you are here. If you are a former staff member, uh, pastor, director of a ministry, um, can you stand? Are there any that are here? Former staff. Go ahead and stand. There you go. There you go. All right, be seated. By the way, these flowers are from former pastor Fred Fischel and his wife. So they sent them for us. So we're grateful for that. Um, I am curious, and I hope I don't put anybody on the spot here, if you have been connected to this church since before 2001, just raise your hand. Okay, put your hand down. I said 2001 because that's when we came here. If you were a member of this church before 1990, raise your hand. All right, put your hands down. If you were a member of this church before 1980, raise your hand. All right, 1975. Before 1970. All right, before 1965. Okay, all right. Before 1960. All right, now we're before 1955. Before 1955. Wow. Before 1950. Before 1945. Before 1945. Wow. How about that? (laughs) 
I did want to recognize that Mayor Ella Jones is here, and so can we make her welcome? Thank her for being here with us. Anyone else here that is connected with, uh, with our city that I'm missing? Just the VIP? And so we are so glad that you are here, and we are grateful. And it has been, it has been a joy as I've come back to make new friends, and uh, we recognize that we're in this together. Amen? Amen. Are we in this together? Amen. Amen. I guess when we met for the first time back in about, about April, we, we met in my office for a couple of hours, and we decided that we're not always going to agree. But we can agree on this. We love Ferguson, and we want to make a difference. Amen. Amen. So I'm so glad you're here. It is a, quite an honor that you are here, and I'm grateful for that. Um, let me just say this in case I forget to say this later, and so um, we, we want to make sure that we do that. Immediately following the service... Most of y'all have been around here forever, so you know where Branson Hall is. If for some reason you don't know where Branson Hall is, just go out the doors here and go up the hall. When you get to the end of the hall where the cafe is, go in the doors to the left. We're going to have a fellowship, a time of, of just getting acquainted. It is not a lunch per se. Matter of fact, there are no tables set out. There are chairs set out. If you'd like to sit down, they're set out sort of in circles in different groups so you can sit down and visit. And, uh, and we got some snacks in there and uh, what, some cookies and some sandwiches. Am I getting that right? All right. And so we've got that there. We'd love to have you come. Can I just say this? Um, Sally Brockmeyer, Jackie Bursmeyer, Sandy Gowan, Karen Summers, and Marilyn Talley. Can y'all just wave at us? Those, those have served. Thank you. Did I miss anybody? Okay, those have served on our 80th anniversary committee. And see, one of the things I do as a pastor is I put together a committee and then I say, you have at it. Okay, and so they've put everything together that we've done. One thing that you may or may not know, if you go to the NBC Pathway, Missouri Baptist Convention's uh, newspaper, go to NBCPathway.org, I believe. If you go to their um, page, there is an article about First Baptist Ferguson's 80th anniversary and about the things that God is doing and the things that God is going to do. So we'd encourage you to uh, check that out. And uh, Karen Summers made that possible by reaching out. And and then I got a phone call. So Joshua 3.5 is the passage that's been on my mind for this day since we began to plan. If you open to Joshua 3, keep your finger there, but verse 5 says, and we'll come back to the rest in a minute. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves because the Lord will do wonders among you tomorrow. Now, if you've looked at my outline, we're going here to Joshua 3. And you probably know, but just to make sure we're on the same page, that the people of Israel have left Egypt, and they've come the journey. We'll talk about that in a second. But they've come on the journey, and they're camped on the western side of the Jordan River. They're outside Canaan, what God has promised to them. And God wanted to take them in. God wanted to start something new. And there is Joshua... And he gives a command, which we just read, consecrate yourselves. 
which is understood as for today. And then he says that there is a possibility for tomorrow. An explanation for how we would then begin the journey. And we are, interestingly, walking a similar path. There are so many similarities to this story. And I will try not to belabor nor do injustice to it, but we will try to walk together alongside it here. Because if there is a today and there is a tomorrow in the story, then there was also a yesterday. And so, let me, before I even get into the main part of the notes, let's just talk about the yesterday for a minute. Here's Joshua. He's about 80 years old. He is one of only two men in his generation that are left. He and Caleb. Joshua had been a slave in Egypt. And he had been freed and he had crossed the Red Sea with it wide open. He had been a soldier in battle. He had been a spy into Canaan. He had been a servant of Moses for 40 years. Yes, 40 years. And the reason it was 40 years was because in the past, hear me now, they had been on the verge of Canaan. And they failed to trust. They failed to imagine what God could do. And so they spent 40 years wandering. And Joshua spent 40 years wandering with his people while all those who failed to go with God died outside the promise, outside the possibility. Joshua had believed, Caleb had believed, and now they're old, 40 and 45 years old. And then he says here, Moses has has died, and he says there is work for today, and there is hope for tomorrow. Yes, there is. Now, interestingly, we have been here for 80 years of history. The move of God, the change, and the history of our community. I won't go through all of it, but in 1880... There were 185 people in Ferguson. By 1900, it was 1,000. You flash forward to the 1940s, and census says there were 5,700 people in Ferguson in 1940. And in 1942, in the spring, they began to talk about the possibility of a Southern Baptist church here in Ferguson with roughly 5,700 people. And 19 people down the street in that community over there in a living room, they agreed to be a part of starting that work. And they continued to share Jesus. They polled the community. They had some services outside. And they began a church. They bought a place, a building down there, I think, off of Patricia. And they began to meet and worship. 
And then in 1950, there were 11,000 people in Ferguson. And they came up the road and they bought this piece of land at 333 North Florissant for $15,000. That's a lot of money in 1950. But they bought this piece of property and they sold the former building and construction on the first structure, which by the way is right over there where the cafe is, what we call now building A of A, B, C, D, and W. You're in W. We're not really good at alphabet. (laughs) And over there where the cafe is in that building, 1951, they began construction. Now, by 1970, there were 28,000 people in Ferguson. It's the largest population record ever in Ferguson was in 1970. 28,000 people. Which, being the largest, it should be noticed, and, and remember, I pastored a church in Florissant that moved there from the city. Most of the growth that was happening in North County in the 60s and the 70s, dramatic explosion of growth in North County. It was people leaving the city. For lots of reasons, but let's be honest, that there was an ethnic connection to those realities. Our community in 1970 was 95% Anglo. By 1980, 85% Anglo here in Ferguson. By 2001, when Lisa and I moved here, the community was 50-50, Anglo-African-American. Now, I don't want to always make the conversations about ethnicity and those issues, but it is important for us to understand, listen to me, as communities change, a church in the community is called to reach the community first. And to reflect that image... And if you will, awaken the image of God. First time that Israel came to the edge of Canaan, they did not think that they had what it took to change the narrative in Canaan. Maybe you'll think about that later. To bring about the change that the Lord desired. Sometimes God brings a church to the edge of the next phase and he says, will you go with me? Joshua 3. Joshua started early the next morning and left the Acacia Grove. Depending on your translation, it might identify that as Shittim. With all the Israelites, they went as far as the Jordan and stayed there before crossing. After three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God carried by the Levitical priests, you are to break camp and follow it. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the Ark and don't go near it so that you can see the way to go, for you haven't traveled this way before. I wish I could spend a lot of time with those last words, for you haven't traveled this way before. Joshua told the people, here it is, consecrate yourselves. 
because the Lord will do wonders among you tomorrow. Then he said to the priests, carry the Ark of the Covenant and go ahead of the people. So they carried the Ark of the Covenant and they went ahead of them. And the Lord spoke to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel. So they will know that I will be with you just as I was with Moses. Important thing that has to happen in every leader's life is when God raises them up as the leader. Command the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the water, stand in the Jordan. Then Joshua told the Israelites, come closer and listen to the words of the Lord your God. He said, you will know that the living God is among you and he will certainly dispossess before you the Canaanites, the Hethites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, the Jubasites, and any otherites. When the ark of the covenant of the Lord of the whole earth goes ahead of you into the Jordan, now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man for each tribe. And when the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of the whole earth, come to rest in the Jordan's waters, its water will be cut off. The water flowed downstream and will stand up in a mass. And when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carried the Ark of the Covenant ahead of the people. And now the Jordan overflows its banks throughout the harvest season. But as soon as the priests carrying the Ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water at its edge and the water flowing downstream stood still. Rising up in a mass that extended as far as Adam, a city near Zarathon. The water flowing downstream into the Sea of Arabah, the Dead Sea, was completely cut off, and the people crossed opposite Jericho. The priest carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood firmly on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel crossed on dry ground until the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan. The Jordan's a really small river, except in harvest time. In harvest time, it can be a mile across. So, all right, Ferguson. 80 years here on mission. 70 years right here. We have planted churches. We have sent missionaries and pastors around the region, around the nation, around the world. But can I tell you that the greatest thing that we have done is send Christian neighbors, co-workers, family members into the community and into the world. That's the greatest thing we do. Forty years ago, this church was considered by many the lead Southern Baptist church in Missouri, in St. Louis. We had a region-wide TV ministry. And 40 years ago, we looked like our community. And listen, I've said this before and I'll say it again today. We will never be what we have been, but we can be what we've never been.
Why? Because the same God who started this church and who moved in this community, when the community looked one way, the same God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the same God says, Behold, I make things new. Now, looking back helps us remember what God has done. Looking forward keeps us moving and dreaming and preparing. But looking around us makes us relevant and active and impactful. So I hope you're taking notes. Write down number one. Today, consecration. Joshua told the people what I'm saying today consecrate yourselves. Can you say that? Consecrate yourselves. Now, he doesn't say today, but the today is understood. And, and if, you can, if you can feel this anticipation of the people as Joshua stands before them and they're count, you know, camped out on this mile-wide Jordan River and Jericho is off in the distance... And you think about the amazing things that God had done in the past. Plagues, wonders in Egypt. Leaving Egypt and the Red Sea parting. And the people of Israel walking across on dry ground while the army that is coming after them is bogged down and destroyed. God appeared on the mountain to Moses and gave him the Ten Commandments. Moses' face was shining when he came back down from the presence of God. The people were led by a cloud at night, by a pillar of fire, I mean, by a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. God carved that law out with his own finger and on and on and on. He gave them food when they didn't have food. He gave them water when they needed, everything that they needed. But when they came to Canaan and they sent some spies in and they came back and said, oh, it's amazing. But 10 of them said, oh, they're giants in the land. And they didn't move in. They didn't move on. They didn't move forward. And so they wandered and struggled to survive for 40 years. And now here they are again. A new generation. A couple of old holdovers still there. And Joshua says, consecrate yourself. Now what is consecration? Kadash is the word. It means to be holy, to set apart, to remove, listen, from common use. It means to put into a permanent office. It means to devote irrevocably to the worship of God. Somebody. Now, I find the wording very interesting, so stay with me for a minute. I like to look up how things are laid out, and I found as I looked it up, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar, I just know how to read. And so I, I looked up and I found that that instruction, consecrate, is in the imperative tense and it's in a middle voice. What does that mean? It means that it's a command. It's imperative. That means take action, do this, do it now, do it today. That means, listen, that tomorrow doesn't happen until today's command is a reality. And then it's in the middle voice, which is very interesting. Being in the middle voice means 
that it is both the subject and the object of the action. In other words, we both do it and receive it. Oh, that's good. You see, we aren't being told to fix somebody else while we stay unchanged. Nor are we told to wait until I finish this and I'll bring it to you. No, we are being told here to dedicate ourselves to the permanent office irrevocably devoted to the worship and the use of God. And we don't just stand on holy ground, we are holy ground. Numbers eleven eighteen. God says, consecrate yourselves today in readiness for tomorrow. Consecration happens today. And until it does, you aren't ready for tomorrow. Ouch. I understand. We have to do it today. So there is a certainty in your notes. Write down that word certainty. And it's a command This isn't if you don't mind suggestion. There is a certainty. This is a command. This is a command, but more than that, it's a condition. And that brings the next question there. Is this conditional? Glad you asked. You always ask good questions. Can I hold back The move of God. I saw some of your eyebrows raise when I said that. That's a good question. You remember when Jesus came to his hometown? First time he came to his hometown, he was already pretty famous. He had been doing amazing things in other places. And he came to his own hometown, famous for doing amazing things and saying amazing things. And people had been healed and great teaching had been done and amazing wonders. And he comes to his hometown and there's this conversation they begin to have in Mark 6. And they say, wait a minute, we know Jesus. He's from here. We know Jesus. He grew up around here. Yeah, we heard he asked some funny questions of the priests when he was 12, you know, and he kind of held it. But I mean, Jesus never did any of that around here. Jesus doesn't. Jesus is just a carpenter like his dad. And Jesus says, a prophet is never honored at home. Matter of fact, he says that a prophet is never without honor except at home. And then in Mark 6, 5, listen to this. The question is, can we withhold the move of God? It says, he was not able to do a miracle there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. I'm not saying that we can keep God from doing what God wants to do, but we can keep God from doing it through us. See, God's going to do what he wants to do. The question is, do we get in on it? Jesus did it in all the other villages, but he couldn't do it at home. And so we can hinder his move. And it tells us how. The word is unbelief. Failure to trust and believe and obey. 
failure to expect God to do amazing things, failure to believe that now is the time, failure to break camp and move to the edge, failure to follow leadership, failure to consecrate today. You know what consecration means? It means a change of ownership of ourselves. A change of ownership of our things to God. It means to change our plans to his plans. It means to make his purpose our purpose. Today is what? Consecration. Say it. Then write down number two. Tomorrow. Wonders. We like to sign up for the wonders, but we don't want to do the consecration. We often get this backwards. If you'll show me some wonders, then I'll consecrate myself. No, that's not the way it works. It's like John 15, 5. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him. We tend to think of it the other way. God, would you do this for me? God, would you do this for me? I'm the vine, he's the branch. No, it's not that way. He's not supposed to do our things. He's not supposed to enlarge our influence. We're supposed to do his stuff. Consecrate yourself today and the Lord will do wonders tomorrow. God is saying, hey, Ferguson, listen, I'm not asking you to do wonders. Oh, that's good news. I'm not asking you to do wonders. I'm saying that if you will get yourself full of me, then I will do wonders tomorrow. That word wonders, it means wondrous, extraordinary, surpassing, It means things that are too difficult and unusual. Oh, that's what I'm asking for. I'm just saying, let us consecrate ourselves today so that tomorrow God can do something unusual, wondrous, and out of the ordinary, something that is too difficult for us. If we just do the stuff we can do, God's not doing that. And you should know that right here, you know, a manuscript and I left a big pause right here in my notes. Because I I sort of think I need to back up a page and say that again. We need to consecrate ourselves today so that tomorrow God can do something unusual and wondrous and out of the ordinary, something that is too difficult for us. Psalm 72, 18 says, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wonders. Psalm 86, 10 says, For you are great and perform wonders. You alone are God. Listen to me. God is not trying to fill his roster with wonder-doing people. He is trying to fill his roster with consecrated people. Write this down. We are always living today for tomorrow and leaving behind yesterday. You know, tomorrow comes, not to be over-scientific, because I'm not, but tomorrow comes because the earth turns and the sun, in our view, rises and shines and sets and surrenders to the moon, which crosses the sky, and then here comes the sun. And who does all of that? 
God does. Do you make tomorrow? No. You can try all you want. Boy, some of those nights when you can't sleep and you just wish you could make it tomorrow. No, the sun, S-O-N, makes the sun, S-U-N, rise. And the sun, S-O-N, makes tomorrow come. So we live today ready for tomorrow, but we let the sun, S-O-N, make the S-U-N come up for tomorrow. God calls us to consecrate today for the wonders tomorrow. If you don't get anything else, I hope you'll get this. God calls us to consecrate today for the wonders tomorrow, not do the wonders tomorrow. They are things that he will do. And by the way, this was not a cheaply focused consecration either. This was not a consecration so that I'll let you get across this mile of Jordan River. Oh, that was going to be really cool and amazing. Yes, the water's going to stack up way up there, and that's really cool, and that's really nice, and that's really amazing. But he had greater wonders coming. They're just going to take the whole land, and he was going to make them, listen, a unique people in a unique place that would be a unique vehicle for the coming of the Savior. That's what God wants to do here. He wants a unique people in a unique place that will be a unique vehicle to the coming of the Savior. Some of you will remember that the day I talked to Steve Hancock on the phone, then I called my son in South Asia to see what he thought about the possibility of us coming here. And he said, Dad... Ferguson is a unique place, and you're a unique person with a unique skill set, and if they call, you need to go. And then I hung up from him, and I called my dad in the hospital just a few months before he passed away, and he said, son, St. Louis is a unique place, and you have a unique skill set, and if they call, you need to go. Well, God wants to make a unique people in a unique place that will be a unique vehicle for the Savior. Wonders, wonders tomorrow. Follow consecration today. It's consecration for more than we could ever imagine. But we have to let God and be God. So then the last question, I'll try to get it quickly. We've said it, they said it, we read it. But let me look for just a minute. Write down number three, how? And the simple answer is preparation and obedient uh, action. So write it down. Watch for the movement of God. This is simple, but sometimes we miss the simple stuff. How do we watch for the movement of God? It's right there. We just read it right down. Come closer. I can't see it. Well, get over here. We were in our backyard last night and the, and the, the balloons were coming up. And some people in the yard said, I don't see it. And we're like, come over here. God, I can't see it. Well, come closer. It's amazing how far away God is when we aren't near. You know that man, he had that old pickup truck with a bench seat. He and his wife of many decades were riding, and she says, you know, when we were young, we used to sit next to each other in this truck. And he said, I haven't moved. (laughs) 
come closer to the movement of God. Hebrews 10.22 says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled and clean from the evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Do you see it? The way we come near, the way we come closer is we draw near with a true heart. That is an authentic desire, an authentic godly focus. That's a heart that confesses that I'm a sinner and I need a savior. We come near with faith, real faith, assured that Jesus is the answer for what I'm looking for and that Jesus is able. And so we, we draw near with faith, with our conscience clean and we're washed clean. That's the forgiving, cleansing result of faith in Jesus. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive, forgive our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So we come closer. And then what does he say? He says, listen. Listen to the words of the Lord our God. And that, by the way, is not just hearing, it is heeding. It is doing, it is changing. Come closer and heed what I'm saying and know. I'm sorry, but this is so simple, isn't it? We say, well, I just don't know what God wants in my life. I don't know what God wants in the church. Well, come closer and listen, heed, and then you will know. It's that simple. Have you come near? Have you prayed? Have you read the word? Have you talked to your pastor? Well, that's why you don't know. Watch for the movement and then write down number two, follow the movement. Well, that's weird. I wonder why they're going over there. Follow the movement. Interesting stuff here. God told the leaders to lead and the people to follow. Verse eight says, have the priests reach the edge, and then have them stand in. And it tells the people that, that when the ark moves, when the feet of the priests come to rest in the water, then the water will back up. We're standing over here on the side waiting for God to make the backup happen before we get in. Notice the pattern. Step out of the camp, step in the water, step forward. He didn't tell them to wait for completion, but follow the movement. Obey the instruction. Say when. When. It's right there. When. We often hear, but we don't want to break camp. And verse 14 says, when the people broke camp. Oh, we're good campers. We're right over here. We're huddled around doing. No, he says, when they broke camp. Do we move out in expectation? And if we do, then we can stand on dry ground. Even before the promise is filled, listen to me, we can stand on the dry ground of faith in the word of God. The promise of God doesn't come until we step out and step in and step forward. And listen, if God is in us, in our hearts, hidden in us, then we become, it says, our, his hiding place in our hearts. Now, what does that mean? We think of God as the refuge. We run and hide in him, and rightly so. But there is a world out there that needs to find God hiding in us. They didn't even expect to see it. I don't mean that God is taking refuge in us, but they need to meet us and know us and realize, hey, man, God is in you. I did not expect to see that. We talk about hiding God's word in our heart that's so that we won't sin, but God hiding in us, the world needs to see that. And the Lord hiding in us keeps us from staying in the camp. 
It keeps us moving. Consecrate yourself for wonders tomorrow that we might be the sanctuary and dominion of God in Ferguson. Psalm 114, listen to it. When Israel is talking about this thing that we're talking about. When Israel came out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people who spoke a foreign language, Judah became his sanctuary and Israel his dominion. The people of God became his sanctuary and his dominion. The sea looked and fled. The Jordan turned back. You see, it was God in them that made the sea run. Made the Jordan flee. The mountains skipped like rams, the hills like lambs. Why was it, see, that you fled? Jordan, that you turned back. Mountains that you skipped like rams, hills like lambs. Tremble earth at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of God, who turned the rock into a pool and the flint into a spring. If God is in us, living and active in us, people will see it out there. And it will change out there. My goodness, can you imagine? You've heard me say before the songs they might write someday about the work of God in Ferguson in the early to late 2020s. Done in this body of believers at this time in this season. Could they say this, man, they set themselves apart as fully devoted, committed, sold out to God for the glory of God and they just followed his commands and they let, let me tell you, The Lord was marvelous. The first solid ground is faith. Believing the command, trusting the result, committed to his glory. Exodus 15, 17 says, You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your possession. Lord, you have prepared the place for your dwelling. Lord, your hands have established the sanctuary. Ferguson, the kingdom isn't just for the sweet by and by. It is for the nasty now and now. Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God wants this church to be a place of God's dwelling and sanctuary, that this would be a kingdom of God's reign and God's flow. That's what Psalm 114 is talking about, that the people of God would be both sanctuary and dominion. May this be a place that is a refuge and the rule of God, a place of sanctuary and sovereignty. The city of Ferguson has changed dramatically over the last 80 years. And that is not a reason to leave. It is an opportunity to look like heaven in this place and see God do wonders. When God's people are his dwelling place and are ruled by him, listen, Barriers flee and strongholds come down and enemies are defeated. It's like James 4, 7 says that if we submit to God, the devil will flee. The earth trembles, Psalm 114 says, at the Lord's presence. Do not be afraid because he is with you. Listen, floodwaters frightening you. Enemies enamor you, danger defeat you, darkness discourage you, battles barrage you. Consecrate yourself today for wonders the Lord will do tomorrow. That we might become the sanctuary and the dominion of God in Ferguson. That we might be a hiding place. That we might be 
submitting to his ruling throne, that we might be a protected place. The Lord is with us as we are with him. And the priests believed and they followed. And they obeyed and they stepped on dry ground. And the people believed and followed and they crossed on dry ground. What changed the ground? It was faith, wasn't it? When Israel crossed the Red Sea, they crossed on dry ground. And when the army came in behind them, it says they were bogged down. What was the difference? Faith. Faith is not, by the way, to believe in spite of evidence. That's not faith. Faith is obeying regardless of the consequence. Yeah, you can write that down. Faith is not passive. Faith consecrates. Faith breaks camp. Faith goes to the edge. Faith steps in and crosses the Jordan, knowing that it is just the path to greater obedience and greater wonders. God was not just going to do an amazing trick to show off. He was leading them into a marvelous kingdom. Pray with me. Father, we do celebrate what has happened in this place and among this body for 80 years. And today we begin the process of consecrating ourselves for tomorrow. Father, we, we recognize that you are God and we are not. And we ask you to do something fresh and new as we surrender to you. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's how you begin the process of coming near. And so right now in this holy moment, if you know that you need to receive Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, could you say something like this? Lord Jesus, you are God and I'm not. I'm a sinner and it separates me from God. And so right now I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I give myself to you and I receive you by faith. I declare you as Lord of my life. Cleanse me, forgive me, make me clean, make me new. If you just prayed something like that from a heart of faith, then you are a new creature. You are in Christ. Behold, the past has gone. All things have been made new. We want to celebrate that with you. And in a moment when we stand to worship, you might want to slip out from your seat and come to one of our elders and say, I've given my life to Jesus Christ. If you're a member here at Ferguson, particularly today, can you use this time to commit yourself fully to God? Say, Lord Jesus, wash me, cleanse me, make me clean, make me new, make me whole. I commit myself and my part of the influence of this body to follow you. If you've been attending our church and God has been saying this needs to be your church home, then we'd also receive you. When we stand, just come and take one of our elders by the hand and say, I want to be a part of this body.
Father, we commit this time to you. We pray in Jesus' name.